you to take your Bibles tonight, if you will, please, and turn to the book of Psalm, Psalm chapter 34. I want to give you something practical tonight, something that you can use in your everyday life. And uh, listen, it's been a long day for many of you, and you started early this morning. And so the last thing in the world we want to do is waste your time tonight. And so uh, I appreciate your faithfulness to the Lord, and we want to do our best to try to give you something that, that's going to help you in your Christian life. And so Psalm 34 tonight in your Bibles, and when you find your place, if you'll stand tonight out of respect for the reading of God's Word, if you're able to stand, that is. Psalm 34, and we're going to read verses 8 through 14, and then we'll pray and we'll jump right into the Bible study tonight, okay? And I want to talk to you about that subject, biblical precepts on peace. Psalm 34 and verse number 8. Boy, I like the way it starts. The psalmist said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. <clears throat> in other words, they don't lack. That's what David is saying. The young lions do lack and suffer <clears throat> hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want <clears throat> any good thing. Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Then David says, keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. Pursue peace. Seek it and pursue it. That's a challenge to you and me. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that subject of peace tonight. And so you may be seated and let's go to the Lord and ask the Lord to help us and we'll jump right into this tonight. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of being back at Calvary and uh, we just appreciate, we just appreciate you, Father. Thank you for the Spirit of the Lord. We know that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And Father, I pray tonight that you would have your way in this service. We're so thankful, Lord, for what you're doing at Calvary. And Lord, we're thankful for the souls that are being saved. We're thankful, Lord, for the hearts that are being touched. Uh, Lord, we also are mindful that the enemy would, would like to do anything. And he'll come in any way. He's not choosing. He'll come in any entrance, any door, any crack, any crevice. And Lord, anything that the enemy can do to try to hinder the work of God, he'll do it. Father, the best we know how, we plead the blood of Jesus. Lord, as these young ladies and Miss Mandy, as they sang about that tonight, we plead the blood of Jesus over this church, and over this ministry, and over this people, and even over, over this pastor and his family. And God, I pray that you'd keep your blessings within. Lord, help us tonight as we talk about a very, very important subject. And I pray that it would make sense, and I pray that it would please you, and I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would continue to extend 
the life and the longevity of this church, and I pray that we'll be found faithful when Christ returns for his church. We ask you for your help now, Father. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, amen. According to Psalm chapter 34, we are challenged to seek peace. I know you do too. Man, I love, uh, and the older I get, the more I'm I'm loving studying this book. And I love to, to study the words of this book. The Bible says that we are to do good and to seek peace and pursue it. The word seek there means to search out. Search it out. It's the idea of uh, searching out lost treasure. If you would search out, if you knew you had treasure in in your backyard, man, you would search it out. That's what it's talking about, to, to search out peace. It means this, it means to ask for peace. Or even it means to, to, uh, to implore or to, to beg for peace. Beg for it. We're to beg for peace. Oh, God, give us peace. Give us peace in our homes. Give us peace in our families. Give us peace in our church. Man, we're, it's not something that we're just to leave to chance and just hope it happens. Oh, no, no, no. We're to, we're to seek it. And we're to pursue after it. We're to, we're to beg God for it. And I would just ask you, man, are you begging God for peace? Do you beg God for peace in your home, and your family? Do you beg God for peace in your church? Man, I pray for it practically every single day. That God would give us a spirit of unity and a bond of peace at Calvary Baptist Church. And, and the Lord's answered that prayer. But we need other folks to, to pray that way as well. But I love this. It, it doesn't only mean to ask for it and to beg for it, but the word seek means to exact, which means that we are to not only ask for it, but we're to give it out. So it's sort of a two-way street, a two-way word. It's sort of a, uh, the idea of a highway. We are to ask for peace, to beg for peace, to search it out, but we're also to give it out. And so we not only desire peace, but we ought to be dividing it out to others around us. And I would say, Calvary, that if anybody has authority to talk about peace, the psalmist David does. Especially in Psalm chapter 34. Uh, and I know that I, I didn't really bring a lot of attention to this, and we won't even really delve that much into the story tonight. But I encourage you to go back and look at the background behind Psalm chapter 34 and how David, at this point in Psalm 34, how David could even really even mention peace is amazing in and of itself. You see, David, when he writes Psalm 34, is being chased by King Saul. King Saul is jealous. Remember the story? The Bible says that they begin to sing these little choruses, and they said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David is tens of thousands, and boy, that green-eyed monster of jealousy crept up in Saul's life, and he got so jealous of David and and, uh, wanted to kill him and tried to kill him on numerous occasions, and he's chasing David when David writes Psalm chapter 34. David has been labeled as a fugitive when he's done not one solitary thing wrong. In fact, if you go back and look at this, look, look this up, David has now actually taken shelter with the enemy for a time, and now the enemy won't even let him stay. 
They're expelling him from their coast because they're afraid of his power. And yet in the midst of all these issues, David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is talking about peace. Boy, peace is something that a lot of folk are desperately seeking, but they seldom seem to find it. In fact, it seems to be that one attribute that continuously evades the multitudes. And you know what I'm talking about. Many people believe that peace comes through money. And so they're always looking for that better paying job. They're always looking for that higher position. They're always looking to to climb the corporate ladder. And I'm not saying there's anything sinful about that at all, but they have in their mind that if I could make a little bit more money, if I could could have a a bigger bank account, that I'm sure that that's gonna bring peace. And they come to find out, sadly, that peace and money are not synonymous. Some folks think that relationships will do it. That if I can be married, or if I can be divorced, or if I can get in, involved in some kind of a, a relationship, and often people will uh, end up uh, making their way into immorality, and, uh, and, uh, and, and it's sad because usually it's after the damage has been done that they begin to realize that peace is not connected with an illicit relationship. Some people believe, believe that peace comes in a successful career. And so they spend years and years in college and spending their own money and racking up student debt. And then they finally achieve that career that they always dreamed of having. And they figure out that that career does not bring peace. In fact, if anything, it added more stress. Esau believed that peace would come through a bowl of pottage. I got to have it. And I've got to have it now. I can't wait. I'll even sell my birthright if that's what I've got to do. And he did. But Esau found that peace was not in immediate gratification. The rich young ruler believed that peace would come through holding on to his personal riches. The prodigal son thought that peace would come from separating from dad and living in the world. David somehow believed that peace would come through an adulterous affair. Jonah believed that peace would come by way of a cruise to Tarshish. But all these folks realized that that all of these things that they were seeking, none of these things brought peace. And Calvary, I just came here tonight to tell you this, that peace can be found. But you got to know where to look. You see, our Bible says in Psalm 29, 11, the Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Charles Wesley said it like this, I rest beneath the almighty shade. My griefs expire, my troubles cease. Thou, Lord, on whom my soul is stayed, wilt keep me still in perfect peace. And William Cooper in 1889 wrote these words, Soul, are ye here without comfort and rest? Marching down the rough pathway of time, make Jesus your friend ere the shadows grow dark. Oh, accept of this sweet peace so sublime. Peace, peace, wonderful peace. 
coming down from the Father above, sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. And again, if you don't get anything else tonight, I want you to understand that peace doesn't come through money and peace doesn't come through relationships and peace doesn't come through uh, all these other, uh, uh, these uh, physical things. Uh, Peace comes in having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where peace comes from. Can I read a little story for you? It goes like this. Long ago, a man sought the perfect picture of peace. Not finding one that, 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 that satisfied, he announced a contest to produce the masterpiece. The challenge stirred the imaginations of artists everywhere and paintings arrived from far and wide. Finally, the great day of revelation arrived. The judges uncovered one peaceful scene after another while the viewers clapped and cheered. The tensions grew. Only two pictures remained veiled. As the judge pulled the cover from one, a hush fell over the crowd. A mirror-smooth lake reflected lacy green birches under the soft blush of the evening sky. Along the grassy shore, a flock of sheep grazed undisturbed. Surely, this was the winner. The man with the vision uncovered the second painting himself, and the crowd gasped in surprise. Could this be peace? A tumultuous waterfall, and this is not the picture, but I wanted to at least put one on the screen. A tumultuous waterfall cascaded down a rocky precipice. The crowd could almost feel its cold, penetrating spray Stormy gray clouds threatened to explode with lightning, wind, and rain. In the midst of thundering noises and bitter chill, a spindly tree clung to the rocks at the edge of the falls. One of its branches reached out in front of the torrential waters as if foolishly seeking to experience its full power. And a little bird had built a nest in the elbow of that branch. Content and undisturbed in her stormy surroundings, she rested on her eggs with her eyes closed and her wings ready to cover her little ones. She manifested peace that transcends all earthly turmoil. Now, let me tell you why I read that story. Because that really is a picture of the child of God. I mean, when everything's turbulent around you and the world seems like it's falling apart and, and uh, man, our political system is in upheaval and it just seems like there's problem after problem and we've got financial issues and we've got COVID-19 and, and we've got burdens and we've got storms and, and, uh, and we've got viruses and we've got sickness and we've got cancer and we've got all these things and yet the child of God, that child of God that knows Jesus Christ and knows him as their personal savior and walks with him and talks with him and loves him and and the Lord loves him back. That child of God can be like that little bird. Even even though everything around you seems to be uh, tumultuous, boy, the child of God can have peace. Well, that's a blessing, isn't it? I want to talk to you about that subject peace tonight, if I could, just a little bit. How about this? I want to give you just a few thoughts. Number one, as Christians, we are promised perfect peace peace. Now take your Bibles tonight, if you will, church, and turn to Isaiah chapter 26. 
Isaiah chapter 26 in your Bibles and, and uh, find your place at verse number three. If you like to mark your Bibles up, I wanna encourage you, this is a wonderful one to mark. This is a wonderful one to circle or highlight. This is definitely a wonderful one for you to memorize. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse number three. And listen to what the prophet Isaiah says. In verse number three, he says, thou wilt keep him in, what kind of peace? In perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Boy, this is wonderful. This is beautiful, whether you know it or not. And so thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. If we'll keep our minds stayed on the Lord, we're promised to have perfect peace. Now, I looked up that word stayed. Uh, that, that person that keeps their mind stayed on the Lord. And, and, and the word stayed, it means this. It means to prop, to prop, P-R-O-P, to prop, or to lean upon or take hold of. And I began to think about that, and I thought, okay, Lord, how can I, you know, how can I convey that message to the church, to prop? What are you trying to say when you say, uh, if we keep our minds stayed on the Lord, that we'll have perfect peace. And the word stayed there means to prop. And I thought about this, and I don't know if this is a good illustration or not, but it's the one that came to my mind. All of you folks that are here tonight that are motorcycle riders know exactly what this means. When you park your bike, you use something called a kickstand. That kickstand keeps that motorcycle propped up. It keeps it from falling. Now, again, think about this. If you, and some of you have big motorcycles. I mean, they're heavy and hard to hold up. If you take that motorcycle and you get to your destination and you just try to balance it, it's not gonna work. Uh, even if you could somehow get that bike to balance when you walk in the restaurant, you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna be worried that it's gonna fall over and do damage while you're in the restaurant. And so you know what you do? You take that kickstand and you kick that kickstand out and that kickstand props the bike up and because it is now propped up, you don't have to worry about it. You can go on your way, you can do your thing because that prop is going to give you peace of mind. In the same way, if you try having peace without Jesus, it's not gonna work. You see, tonight, Calvary, if you are consumed with worry and anxiety, you can rest assured that your mind is not stayed on Jesus. It's not where it's supposed to be. You're not using the kickstand. You're not using the prop. You're, you're wanting to try to balance life on your own. You're hoping everything, well, I, I sure hope everything works out. I, I sure hope everything stays where it's supposed to stay. And it's falling apart around you. And, and people are like, preacher, I don't know why my life seems to be falling apart. This is the reason. You're not using the kickstand. Don't be surprised that your motorcycle falls over if you don't put the kickstand out. And don't be surprised that your life falls apart if you're not using the prop, if you're not using Jesus, if you're not keeping your mind stayed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now take your Bibles tonight, if you will, and turn over to the book of Philippians. And I want to see if we can really you know, if we can shed a little bit more light on this subject because, because this is so important and it's so wonderful. Philippians chapter number four in your Bibles. Philippians chapter number four and look if you will at verse number six. Familiar passage, some of you already know it, some of you haven't memorized. 
Philippians 4 and verse number 6. All right, if you found your place, say amen. amen. So I want you to look at the first few words. The Bible says in verse number 6, be careful for nothing. Now, when I was a kid and I read that, I thought, why does the Lord not want us to be careful? We're supposed to be careful. Mom and dad always said, be careful. Be careful. That's not what it means. When the Bible says be careful for nothing, it's this idea, don't be worrisome. Don't be filled with anxiety. Don't walk around every day fretting and wondering if the world's gonna cave in on top of you. Uh, be careful for nothing. Watch this now. But in everything, but in everything. How many knows what everything means? It means everything. You say, preacher, what does that word mean in the Greek? It means everything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Oh, here it is, church. Here it is, verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep. Hey, there's that same word in Isaiah 26, 3. There's the kickstand. Shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, verse eight, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, this is wonderful scripture tonight, and the Bible's trying to teach us an, an amazing, amazing truth. Did you know tonight, Calvary, that it is hard for a human being to process multiple thoughts at the same time? And so what the word of God is challenging us to do is this. We are to pray about every single issue in our life. While we're praying, we're to couple that with thanksgiving. So we're to pray and we're to, we're to bring our petitions to the Lord. We're to couple it with thanksgiving. And as we pray, our minds are centered on Christ and, in, and instead of the problem, and when your mind is centered on Christ and focused on Christ, you know what happens? It causes peace. So you say, preacher, I have got a major problem in my life. Any advice? I sure do. Get your mind on Jesus. Get your mind on Jesus. Think on things that are lovely and pure and honest and true. Get your mind on Christ. Put the kickstand out. Keep your mind on Christ. You say, preacher, I'm afraid my world might crumble tomorrow. Could. May not. By the way, can I remind us all? Jesus may come tonight. We may not be here tomorrow. Sometimes we worry way down the road and we think, man, if things keep going like they're going, I mean, in six months, friend, you don't know if you're gonna be here in six months. I don't know if I'm gonna be here in six months, but I do know this, my Bible challenges me to, if I have a problem and I have a burden, if I'm going through a storm, that I am to come to my God and I'm to bring that petition to him and while I'm doing, I'm to thank him for all of his blessings and all he's doing and all he's going to do and here's what's gonna happen. And when I do these things, I get my mind on him and the kickstand goes out and guess what? The Bible says that peace, a peace that passeth all understanding is going to come my way. You got to get your mind on Christ. A number of years ago we went to a pastor's conference in the state of Texas and I think maybe this was my first time in Texas. Texas is flat. 
And when storms come through Texas, it's different than North Carolina. And we had went to the conference that day and a storm, a storm had come. It was, and it was, it was bad. I'm serious. No joking. It was, it was rough. In fact, I don't know that I've ever seen clouds swirl like that. I was getting very concerned. And so most of the church, the service was getting ready to begin, but most of the church was around the outskirts of the church in the foyer and, uh, They were watching this storm. I remember watching these dark black clouds and the wind was blowing and it was beginning to rain and and these clouds were just, they were swirling and it looked just like a tornado. And then all of a sudden, they have something else in Texas. They have tornado sirens. And these tornado sirens begin to go off and you could hear them. And everybody got really focused on the storm. I, I was one of them. Man, I was watching the wind, I was watching the clouds, and I thought, man, this is, this is bad. And then all of a sudden, and I don't think by accident, all of a sudden my ears tuned in to the instrumentalists who were inside the auditorium, and they were just playing to beat the band. Beautiful music, playing to the Lord. You could hear it over the speakers. And this is, this is what the Lord seemed to say to me. He seemed to say, these folks in the auditorium, do you think they're worried? And the answer to that is they weren't worried. You know why they weren't worried? They weren't even aware there was a storm. You know why? They were so enraptured at what they were doing for Christ. And they were playing beautiful music and worshiping the Lord that they were totally oblivious to the storm. While everybody else was focused on the storm, they were totally oblivious to the storm. Now, I'm not not endorsing that you be oblivious to all that's going on, but I am saying this, that rather than worry and rather than fret and rather than take drugs and rather than smoke dope and and rather than than, than consider suicide, what we ought to do is we ought to get our mind on Christ and, and realize that he's in control and that God's on the throne and he's able to do what God needs to do and God's able to hear our prayers and God's able to answer our petitions and we're to bring those things to him and keep our mind stayed on the Lord. And if we do that, our Bible promises we will have a perfect peace that passeth all understanding. Amen. Amen. You know what? That must be what Elisha Hoffman meant when he wrote these words. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near. Leaning on the everlasting arms. And so as Christians, we're promised perfect peace. Can I give you this second one quickly and I'll go to the last one. Number two, as Christians, we are prohibited from holding our peace. Now I want you to take your Bibles and turn over to the book of Isaiah again. Isaiah chapter 62. I'm just gonna pay reverence to this point. I'm gonna go to the last one tonight. Isaiah chapter 62 Not only as Christians are we promised perfect peace, but number two, as Christians, we are prohibited from holding our peace. And when I say from holding our peace, I'm talking about concerning the goodness of the Lord. Isaiah 62, six, notice what the prophet Isaiah said. In verse number six, he said, I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night, 
Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. Did you know when it comes to the goodness of God, we're not to hold our peace? Hey, remember the story where the Bible says that Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and and his disciples are worshiping and praising. And some of the Pharisees said, Master said, uh, uh, tell them to hold their peace. And Jesus said this. He said, if they hold their peace, he said, the stones will cry out. Uh, you know, did you know the Bible says that we, we ought to constantly talk about the goodness of the Lord? Can I ask you a question? When's the last time, when's the last time that you just had a bragging session about Jesus? And just bragged on Jesus in front of somebody. Just bragged on him. When's the last time you told folks how good God was? When's the last time in a mixed crowd you just said, praise the Lord? You say, preacher, if I say that, they'll think I'm crazy. Well, let them think what they want to think. When's the last time that you, you just took some time and you just uh, realized that he's worthy of glory and he's worthy of praise and he's worthy of worship and you just said, uh, and you just told somebody, they don't have to be saved, you just told somebody, man, the Lord's been so good, the Lord's been so good and God's been so good to us and God's answered our prayers and did you know, did you know this church, did you know that, uh, that, it, that when, we, when we talk about the Lord and when we, when we uh, make conversation about God, did you know that it, it so pleases the Lord that our Bible tells us that God writes it down in a book? Malachi 3.16, listen to this verse. The Bible says in Malachi 3.16, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was, was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. Did you know that when you're in a little crowd and not a whole lot of folks there and you just start talking about the good things of the Lord, did you know that so pleases God, he has a book and the Bible says he writes it down. And maybe nobody, nobody knew and you didn't do it for show. You didn't do it to, you know, you're trying to show off. You're trying to please anybody. You just were somewhere with somebody. And man, you just, you just begin to think about the goodness of the Lord. And, and, and you begin to think about how good it was to be saved. And man, you just started talking about, man, I'm telling you, God has been so good to me. And, and God saved me. And God hadn't give up, given up on me. And, and God forgave me. And God's blessed us. And God's answered prayer. And, and that so pleases God, according to the book of Malachi, that God has a book in heaven. And he writes these things down when you talk about his goodness, and his blessings. And so, number one, I said this, Christians, as Christians, we're promised perfect peace. Number two, as Christians, we are prohibited from holding our peace. But last of all tonight is this, as Christians, we are persuaded to keep the peace. Now, I want you to take your Bibles tonight and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter four in your Bibles and when you find your place, I want you to uh, find your uh, way to verse number three. Ephesians chapter number four and look at verse number three and I'm, I'm about done here tonight. Ephesians chapter four and verse number three. The Bible says this, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of of peace, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit 
in the bond of peace. The word endeavoring there means this. It means diligence. It means labor to keep the peace. In other words, every one of us, including this pastor that's talking to you tonight, every one of us ought to labor. We ought to work at making sure that we keep the peace. Can I tell you tonight, church, why so many churches are falling apart and why so many churches are lacking the power of the Holy Spirit? Because they're nothing but places of division and disunity, distraction. Did you know that the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be a place of love and it's supposed to be a place of oneness? Now again, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go off on a tangent here, but I'm, but I, I would, but I would say this. You know what? In our churches in America, you know what? You know what? It's time for it's time for us to get over ourselves, and it's time for us to get quitting, uh, to to quit getting all messed up over things that are so. I hate to use the word stupid, but there's really not a okay uh, over things that are so brutish. It's a Bible word. Brutish. You say, what's it mean, preacher? Stupid. It's a shame, my dear friend. It's a shame what's going on in churches all across America. I'm talking about churches that are blessed of God and God's doing a great work and folks are being saved. Folks are being saved and God's doing something and converts are being baptized and folks are joining the church and, and then somebody gets a little messed up over, over the, the color of the carpet or uh, over the color of the fabric or the color of the paint on the walls. And I want to say, who cares about all that? No, what we ought to be doing is this. We ought to be endeavoring to keep the peace. The church is supposed to be a place of love. The church is supposed to be a place of oneness. Now, you're in Ephesians chapter four. I want you to look, at, look with me, if you will, at verse number four. Uh, Ephesians chapter four and verse number four. The Bible says there is, what's it say? One body. Look what it says. And what's the next word? One spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, verse five, one Lord. What's the next one? One faith. What's the next one? What's the next one? And Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. In other words, when you walk into the local church, it ought to be a place where you can feel oneness. Would y'all please help me with something? Quit expecting this church to be perfect. And would you do something else for me? When you find the perfect church, please don't join it. Because you're destined to ruin it. There is no perfect church, folks. Listen, when you got people, you got problems. When you got people, you got issues. But when you, when, when you walk into the house of the Lord, it ought to be a place of oneness. It ought to be a place of unity. It ought to be a place of love. It ought to be a place of forgiveness. It ought to be a place of, of endeavoring, of laboring, of laboring to, to keep the peace. Well, I, you know what? I could stir something up, but I won't do that. You know why I won't do it? 
This is too important. My feelings got a little trampled on, but it's done. You know why? This is too important. Somebody said something to me. Somebody acted wrong. Somebody treated me indifferently. Somebody did something against me. Now, you say, preacher, how can we accomplish that oneness at Calvary Baptist Church? Well, here's what's so wonderful about the Bible is it tells us how. And so look at verse 2. How do we accomplish this unity and this oneness and this harmony? Ephesians 4, verse number 2, the Bible says, With all lowliness and meekness, man. I feel some preach coming on tonight, good neighbor. I feel some preach coming on tonight. Come here, Brother Tim. With all lowliness. Brother Tim does something that I don't think he he shouldn't have done toward me. He said something about me or to me that I don't think he should have said. It wasn't right. It was hurtful. It hurt my feelings. But the only problem is, is the Bible addresses it. And so rather than rise up and suflex him, it's not what your Bible says, is it? With all lowliness. With all lowliness. I'm going to humble myself. I'm, I'm going to submit. I could rise up. I've probably got grounds to do that. I'll tell you one thing. You, you won't talk to me like that and get away with it. Well, maybe you will. Because of, Thank you, buddy. Because the Bible says with all lowliness and meekness, look at this, this next phrase, with long-suffering, And look at the next one, forbearing one another in love. You know what that means, Calvary? It means get along. Get along. A few months ago, we had the privilege of of being out in California, and Brother Zach had a, a marriage retreat. And my wife and I were privileged to go out and have a, a part in that. He brought up another pastor, Tim Rasmussen from uh, Canoga Park, uh, Faith, I think it's Faith, Faith Baptist Church, I think, he, uh, Canoga Park, California, and Brother Tim Rasmussen came up. Brother Tim and I were in college just for a little, little while together, and Brother Tim's been pastoring there now. His dad pastored that church for many, many years now. He's pastoring that church, doing a great job. And in one of the sessions that Brother Rasmussen taught, I'm going to be honest with you, it was, it was incredible. It was phenomenal. And it really spoke to my heart. And this is what he taught. This is what he taught in that marriage session. He taught this. Is the battle really worth fighting over? And this is what he said. What you're fighting about, is it really worth winning? Now, he he was talking about marriage, of course. But that doesn't fit just marriage. Can I just ask us tonight, 
is the battle really worth it? What you're, you're mad at somebody, you're indifferent at somebody, you're upset with somebody. And I, I want to ask you, is it, and you, you know, I'm bringing this thing to a close. But you know what's really sad is a lot of times in our churches, the attitude is this, I'm going to, I'm going to win if it's the last thing. By the way, friend, it may be the last thing. Is it really worth it? Is it really worth getting all upset because you didn't like the lights? And by the way, nobody is. I'm just using that as an illustration. Nobody's ever seen anything about the lights. But y'all know where I'm heading, don't you? Is it really worth the battle because you didn't like the certain shade of the floor or because somebody didn't shake your hand that day or whatever the case may be? So this is all I'm saying, church. You know what? As, as Christians, as spirit-filled Christians, the Bible says that we're to be the peacemakers. We're to be the peacemakers. May we be a people of perfected peace. And may this world, this lost world, see peace in our witness. You know what I want? When folks walk into the Calvary Baptist Church, I want them to sense that there is such a spirit of peace in this place and a spirit of unity. By the way, and, and you do. That's why I love coming here. That's why you love coming here. And may it always be that way. And if you think for a half of a second that Satan's not going to try to insert something to get, get us indifferent or messed up, church, it's going to happen. But we've got to be the spiritual ones that say, whoa, wait a minute. Endeavoring to keep the peace. I love the story. Talking about peace, it was 1555. Most of you, uh, of you have heard of a fellow by the name of Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley. Both these men were burned at the stake because of their stand for Christ. But I had never read this story. On the night before Ridley's execution, his brother offered to remain with him in the prison chamber to be of assistance and comfort. And the story goes that Nicholas declined the offer and replied that, quote, he meant to go to bed and sleep as quietly as he ever did in his life because he knew the peace of God and could rest in the strength of the everlasting arms of his Lord to meet his need. Wow. I read that story and I was like, whoa. Well, I hope I have that kind of peace. Just peace in the Lord. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you for this time we've had together. And Lord, thank you that you've promised to give us a perfect peace if we'll keep our minds stayed on Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would give us a church filled with Christians who would endeavor, who would labor to keep the peace, to make sure that until we hear the sound of the trumpet, that this will always be a place where people are loved and cared for. And 
Lord, there's a spirit of camaraderie in us, a spirit of brotherly love. Lord, I pray when the lost walk in these doors, they'll know. Lord, I pray they'll know it long before the preaching starts. I pray that, Heavenly Father, they'll sense that, man, these are some folks that love each other. God, may we never allow anything to come into our lives that would make that peace go away. Lord, I pray that you're working hearts tonight. Lord, it's, it's very possible that there's someone here tonight who they don't have that peace, that wonderful peace. They don't have it in their heart because maybe they've never, they've never opened their heart and life to Jesus. And Lord, I'm praying that tonight would be the night. Maybe someone watching by way of the live stream right now, they're very tuned in. And God, I pray in just a moment, they'll call that prayer line and let someone pray with them. Father, I, I pray that you'd help us not to just uh, apply this message to church, but I pray that we'll apply it in every part of our life, our marriage, our home, our job. Lord, every relationship, I pray that we'll apply this message. Blessed, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Lord, I pray that you're working this invitation and we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We're not gonna prolong an invitation tonight, but I would just ask this. Do you have a peace that passeth all understanding? Are you filled with peace tonight? Pastor, I've got some storms and some turbulence around me, but I've got a perfected peace. Well, if that's you, hallelujah, it's wonderful. If that's not you, I'll tell you what I would suggest. I would suggest tonight, in just a moment, when we stand, why don't you make your way to this altar and tonight come and bring your petition before the Lord and say, Lord, would you give me peace? God, would you help me to find peace tonight? That peace that passeth all understanding. If you're here tonight, you say, Brother Pope, if I died tonight, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. I don't know for sure that I would go to heaven without anybody looking, without anybody looking tonight. I wonder if there may be one here tonight. And I, won't, I wouldn't come back and try to get you for anything in the world. I, I won't do that, but I'd like to just, just like to pray for you. And you'd say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not sure I would go to heaven. Would you please remember me? And you'd slip your hand up right now. Is there one anywhere tonight you'd let me pray for you? God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Is there another tonight? Pastor, if I died, I'm not 100% sure of heaven. Would you please pray for me? God bless you. Calvary Baptist Church, it's time to pray. Thank you so much. Is there another tonight? Pastor, if I died, I'm not 100% sure I'd go. I want to go. I want to go to heaven. I'm just not sure about it. Well, I'd sure appreciate it if you'd pray for me. Is there anybody else tonight? I'm, I'd like to include you in this prayer. Is there another? Is there another? 
I see that little hand. Is there another? Is there another? All right, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I know this is Wednesday church. I know what it is. You say, preacher, this isn't Sunday. I, I know it's not. But how many know that God can work on a Wednesday just like he can work on a Sunday? And I wonder with heads bowed and eyes closed how many are here tonight without anybody looking and you'd say, Brother Pope, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm lacking peace tonight. I so want that perfected peace. But my oh my, I need some prayer tonight. And I want you to pray for me. You'd slip your hand up right now. Let me pray for you. Several, several, several hands around the house tonight. I'm going to pray for you. Could I invite our personal workers to come tonight? If you raise your hand about any need at all tonight, here's what I'm going to ask you to do in just a moment. When we stand, I'm going to ask you to leave where you are. I'm going to ask you to make your way to this altar. We have some folks up here at the front. We call them personal workers. And all that means is, is that they would just like to take the Bible and show you from the Bible how you can know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. We'll not make you give a speech. We'll not make you do anything like that. Nothing, nothing, nothing like that. We just want to try to help you to know that you're going to heaven. If you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, I'm desperately in need of peace. I want you to come. There's going to be somebody here to pray. We've got lady workers that are coming. And we're going to pray with you tonight. And so, Father, I pray right now. Lord, as folks are standing all over the house, let's all stand with our heads bowed. Father, I pray that you would do a supernatural work right now. Lord, several have raised their hands about this thing of salvation and knowing for sure that they're on their way to heaven. God, help them not to leave lost. Help them not to leave wondering. God, I pray tonight that they will come and let us take God's Word and show them how they can know. And then, Lord, there's others here tonight that are in need of peace. There's a storm or a valley or something going on in their life. God, things are turbulent. And they're desperately needing peace. I pray they'll come tonight. Holy Spirit, do what only you can, please. And we thank you so much in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you're here tonight and you need to come, folks are coming right now. This is what we call an invitation. That's what this is. It's just folks coming down to the altar and getting some help. And if you're here tonight and you raised your hand and said, Pastor, I am not sure that I'm saved, I want you to come right now, all right? And we have somebody that's going to meet you. They're going to meet you. I want you to come right now. I want you to come. Preacher, I need somebody to pray with me about that perfected peace. I want you to come right now. I want you to step out. Would you come tonight? Would you come? Would you come?